Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. So for today's episode, we interviewed a wonderful representative from Harvest Right Freeze Dryers, Jessica, and we had an awesome interview that you'll get to listen to here in a moment, and the very last five minutes of her episode audio was eaten by the internet. So uh, you'll get to hear the, the bulk of the episode. And at the very end, Anna and I will get to summarize for you all the last few tips and tricks that Jessica uh, shared with us in that interview. Perfect. I met Jessica last summer at a Smith and Edwards event. She was super fun and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So freeze drying has become such a huge deal in prepper communities, homesteading communities. It's like really seen, I feel like an uptick, especially here in Utah where Jessica and I live. But Jessica, maybe you could give us like some of the stats or information about freeze dryers and specifically Harvest Right. So Harvest Right manufactures and sells home freeze dryers. And we have them available in a few different sizes. And it just brings this technology of freeze drying to somebody's home, makes it something that people can do on an individual level versus what was previously always just only available on a commercial level or, you know, much larger scale. So it allows people to freeze dry and preserve just about anything they can dream up, meats and fruits and vegetables and dairy products and meals and all kinds of stuff and, and allows for just an amazing shelf life and uh, amazing finished product. So we can, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more, but that's kind of the basic summary. Have you seen a resurgence or a growth in interest in freeze drying in recent years? Absolutely. Uh, in the time that I have been working with Harvest Right, and I've been with Harvest Right for about seven years. And the companies probably, that don't quote me 100% on this, but somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 11, 12 years or right in there, but really going strong probably for about um, 10 years. In the time that I have been with the company, I've seen a huge growth just with the company, but, but truly just in freeze drying as a way of preservation, whether it be preparing for disasters and, and emergencies, but also just just general putting your storage up, freeze-drying gardens and harvests and things like that. But I think the last few years, there was a very big spike, particularly around the time of COVID. And uh, certainly whenever we see uh, disasters on a, a national or international level, it seems to 
create a heightened awareness and it's stayed really strong and steady for the past few years now. Just, uh, not just, but likely with some direct response to just craziness going on in the world. Can you explain what does a freeze dryer do? So some of our listeners won't have any notion of what a freeze dryer does. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. So there's a, I think there's a, a pretty common misconception, understandably so, that freeze drying is the same thing as dehydrating. Um, it's a pretty big difference. There's some similarities, but there's a significant difference. So basically, the way the freeze dryer, the process that it goes through, it extracts all of the moisture content in whatever you're processing and gets it out 100%. So it's 100% dry when it's done processing. And as compared to dehydrating, you're getting things most of the way dry, but not 100%. And additionally, because of the, the way the process works with the freeze dryer and, and how it actually extracts all that moisture, it's a very gentle application of um, intermittent heat. And so the food actually stays, it keeps, it's hold its shape and in its vibrant color. And most importantly, it retains 98% of its nutritional content. So when you compare that to dehydrating, where you're getting things most of the way dry, but it's exposure to high temperatures over the period of, you know, usually, you know, two or three days, depending on what you're dehydrating. It's shrinking, it's getting kind of shriveled, and it's also not getting 100% dry. So you, you have a shelf life on dehydrated foods, just somewhere ballpark, maybe five to seven years versus freeze drying, you have, you can have a shelf life of up to 25 years, because you've got all that moisture um, removed and and you've just got a, a superior finished product because you've got all that nutrition intact and it's pretty. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Anna and I both got to taste freeze-dried food and see a demonstration of the freeze dryers during the Master Preserver course. And I was amazed with the color, shape, and taste of the freeze-dried foods. I thought that was just really remarkable that a slice of avocado looked every bit as beautiful as it did the day it was sliced. The texture, of course, is really different, and that's you know can be can be a really great novelty for some people. But it it is remarkable that the food looks every bit as beautiful the day that it was put in the freeze dryer. I was just going to agree, and it is. I think that wows people all the time. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, you're not even really having to do anything special to it to make it happen. That's just the beauty of freeze drying. If you put in a, a beautiful ripe piece of produce, for example, that's what you'll have. It's going to look that way, but it's also going to taste fantastic. Yeah, the texture in its freeze-dried state is not going to match what it was in its fresh state, but uh, oftentimes you can add just add water to whatever you freeze-dried and you've got it back to its fresh look and, and, and taste. It really amazed me to see that people will freeze-dry lasagna, enchiladas, beef stew, whole meals or servings of meals. And then all they have to do is just add water. And that's exactly the same process that is used to create the MREs or meals ready to eat that you might buy if you're a hiker or a hunter. That's exactly what those meals are. They're all freeze dried. So that was just really interesting to me to see as well. I was just going to ask Jessica. So a lot of people are wondering maybe the price points and the sizes that Harvest Right offers. Sure. Dryers. 
Well, you're looking at, I, I would say our most popular, our biggest sellers, we have a small and a medium and a large. Mm-hmm. Our medium units, it's a four tray unit, and that's still our most popular size. Our large units, it's a five tray unit. They're a close second and they've really grown a lot in popularity. But uh, the price point for our medium unit is around 27 to 2900 Just kind of depends on the options that you choose. So when we're talking about our large unit, you're looking at, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3600 depending on your options. So it's definitely an investment. A lot of people who are really serious about making this work for them and just really putting it to work to preserve their gardens or take advantage of, you know, using it for leftovers and all of those kinds of things, it really pays for itself surprisingly quickly, really start doing some calculations. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of it on the, as far as the general price points. Sure. Can you tell us, you can be brief, but explain the process that a person might go through. They get their harvest right, freeze dryer at home. What is the process? How did, how do they begin to freeze dry? Let's start with, you know, a tray of strawberries. Okay, sure. So you, you generally, you'll want to slice your food but you can slice it, you can cut it in in half or shred it, whatever the case is, you can either do things raw or cooked, all of course, depending on what you're doing. But if we're just talking about the example of strawberries, I will slice my strawberries up. I don't generally add sugar to them because if I've got a nice ripe strawberry, I don't usually need to. So uh, I just slice those up and spread them out on my trays. Generally, we kind of recommend you wouldn't want to put uh, things on your trays that would exceed the height of a tray. That's kind of a general guideline as far as how full to, to have your trays. But you literally just slice up your strawberries, put it on the trays, load your trays in the freeze dryer and push start. You close the door and you walk away. And wow, that is virtually the extent of knowledge you really need to have in order to process your <laughs> And the machine is going to do all the work for you. The first portion of any cycles is it, it freezes and it freezes for several hours. And once the machine senses that the, the right temperatures have been reached, you, generally, I believe it's, uh, it reaches temperatures of negative 40 or colder. The machine will sense when it's reached that proper temperature for the period of time that it needs to. And then this vacuum pump turns on and every, every fridge jar has a vacuum pump that's attached to it. And, and the machine will kick that on at the appropriate time. And that's when the real magic starts to happen inside the freeze dryer where there's heating pads on the underside of every tray. They gently warm up just enough to release some of the ice, melt some of the ice out of that food, and then they turn off. And then they do it again, and then they turn off. And sublimation is happening where wow. moisture is coming out of the food. And instead of being a liquid in, in a vacuum setting, uh, it actually just collects again as ice on the uh, interior walls of that chamber. And when the machine senses that all of the ice, all that moisture is out of food, it tells you the process is complete. Please check just check your food, make sure that it's all done. There's always an option to add a little more dry time if you're concerned that it's not finished, but almost always it's going to be done at the end of the time when it says it is. And you just package up your food, put it in Mylar bags, or you can use canning jars if you'd like to. And we always recommend you're going to put an oxygen absorber in that package, seal it up, and away you go. Put the machine into a defrost, get all that ice melted out of there, and then you're ready to go for another batch. About how long would that process take? Generally speaking, I always tell people 
you've got batches that can take as little as 20 to 24 hours. And some that might take up to 45 hours because it's relative to how much moisture is in the food you're processing. So I always tell people, you know, count on about 30 hours on average. It's going to take maybe a day and a half on average. But again, you don't have to be there when the batch is finished. It just will sit there and the chamber cools down and holds it at a, at a cold temperature till you are ready to deal with it. So you could be sleeping or on a vacation or at work. And when you are ready to come and tend to it, then you can unload it, check it and put it into a defrost once you've unloaded your foods. So the machine will just kind of sit there and wait for you patiently to move it into its next phase. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. So you mentioned that you put your items into a Mylar bag or a canning jar with an oxygen absorber. What happens like when you open? Does the texture change of the food, like depending on the humidity in the environment or like what, what are some things people can expect? Your food, once you open up that bag or, or that jar, it's going to be like it was when you packaged it up. Depending on the humidity and maybe where you live, certain foods will absorb some of that moisture in the air more quickly than others. But generally, you're, you're going to be fine. It's, it's not like you've got a matter of minutes before, you know, your food turns into mush. You know, it's, you've, you've definitely got plenty of time. A lot of times I will open up a package of say strawberries or apples um, and I'll just keep I'll keep the bag open but fold it over with a chip clip on it in my pantry and I can pull from that over the course of you know a two to three weeks yeah, in some cases and it's fine it might start to get a little bit soft toward the end of that period because you know there's just going to be some moisture in the air but if I live you know if living in Hawaii or something like that where you've got a lot more moisture more humidity in the air, things are going to absorb more moisture in environments like that a little more quickly. Can you speak to the safety of freeze dryers? Well, uh, using the freeze dryer is, is is safe and easy. Great. It's far less intimidating than, for me, <laughs> than a pressure cooker or, sure. or water bath. And I've done a lot of that over the years with my grandmother and also my mother-in-law, big, big canners. And that always kind of made me feel nervous and I was a little little bit scared about sure. dealing with that. So really it's super safe. I mean it's just a um I wouldn't consider there to be any hazards at all to be concerned about. And as far as the foods that you're processing, super safe. Once in a while I get a question asked of me um like if there's any worry about maybe cross contamination. Because you know you can do different kinds of things. You know, you're doing if you're doing raw meat in a batch, should I be worried about you know, my freeze dryer not being sanitary or whatnot for the next batch. And and generally there's really truly not any problem. If there is any issue, you maybe you're concerned, the the shelving unit, those trays sit in, that shelving unit can actually come out and you can unplug it and wash it. I've I put it in the dishwasher before, maybe when something's kind of sticky or whatnot. No 
oh, issues that I would alert anybody to as far as, you know, your, the, the safety, sanitation or anything like that as far as your food system. That's, that's a question that we get a lot about is just general, is it safe to do and is it safe to eat? And in the crowd that Anna and I serve with our podcasts and our blogs and our social media, there's a lot of interest in food preservation and a lot of people want to preserve foods via canning that are not appropriate for canning. And I always think what these people need is a freeze dryer because a freeze dryer is the appropriate way to preserve nearly anything and many of the foods that you can't safely can. Yeah, for sure. So some of the things that you can't freeze dry that's not recommended are like super high fat food items like a stick of butter or Mm -hmm. melted butter, the really fatty parts of the meat that you might want to freeze dry. Uh, The meat needs to be trimmed pretty well. Jenny, is there any other uh, high fat foods that you can think of that are not recommended? I can't think of any, but I will say that you can freeze dry many high fat items like ice cream. That actually was a really cool novelty item and that will kind of tie into the next thing that we talk about. But ice cream can be freeze dried and people will take like ice cream bars or fudge sickles or just a a quart of ice cream and slice it and freeze dry it that way. And that is, I mean, fairly high fat and that can be safely freeze dried. So when Anna and I get questions about how to can certain items or we see people canning many items, most of the time they can be freeze dried. And the only thing I think is just a a block of butter that one doesn't freeze dry as well. But other than that, most things are fair game on a freeze dryer. Yeah. And we have an episode coming up that's all about preserving eggs. And one of the ways you can preserve eggs is actually in a freeze dryer. Perfect. One other thing that we talked about was the people that are using their investment of a freeze dryer to make money. So at the Master Preserver course in Ogden, Utah, I couldn't believe the number of ladies who either themselves or who knew people who were using a freeze dryer as a home business. And they would use it to freeze dry novelty items like Skittles or ice cream bars or fruit, all kinds of little things that you wouldn't necessarily need in a disaster situation, but that make really cute, shelf-stable, giftable treats. One friend that I have locally to me has a freeze dryer and she freeze-dried Skittles and put them in cute little packages and then sold a set of like 25 for Valentine's Day. So you could give a little freeze-dried treat for every kid in the class with their Valentine. And I thought that was so ingenious. And as Jessica explained, it takes, you know, a day or two to run a cycle to create these little items. But uh, especially for the giftable small treats, you just have to run one batch. And there's just lots and lots of potential out there, I think, for using this fairly expensive appliance to make you money. So Anna, what cool ideas have you seen that people have been using their freeze dryers for, for making money? So... I've seen about three or four small business people at my local farmer's market, and they're doing the same thing. It's like candy. I've seen them do... The craziest one to me was dill pickle chips. Those were pretty fun. (laughs) They were a fun novelty item. Okay. So when you freeze dry, right? Like a lot of that liquid 
a hundred percent of that liquid is lost. So when you eat it, you have to replace that amount of liquid, especially with dill pickle chips, because it's so salty or like with candy, it's so sweet. So you're going to find yourself drinking a lot of water afterwards. Right, right. That's good to know. Yeah. And when I would do like fair judging, like my local fairs or the state fair, we would get freeze dried items. It's a new category in food preserving, like the food arts. And because you try it, right? But I would have to bring so much water because it just dries out your mouth like crazy. So just remember to pack water if this is your like prepper meals that you're going to have. You are going to need a lot of water to offset, you know, the increase in salt or sugar that you have in these items. That's a very good tip. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily remember that, that you're eating all this fruit, but it has none of the water it normally has. So yeah, all of the things that you eat that are freeze-dried, if you don't rehydrate them, then you are going to need to rehydrate because it it is just dry as a bone. <laughs> That's a great... Great thing to remember. So Anna, tell us about using a freeze dryer in a community setting. Okay. So I love this idea. I'm all about community. I love when people share things. I like this idea of having one freeze dryer as part of your community or part of your family. And then, you know, if it's, if, if you're close by, it makes sense. Right. But yeah, just sharing it and taking you know, turns and using it together, I think is a great idea because I doubt that anybody's going to be using a freeze dryer 24 seven, right? Like that just doesn't happen. But I think if you set it up almost like a timeshare, it's like, okay, I get the second week in June, you get the third week, you get the, you know, so I just think it's a really cool idea. What about you, Jenny? You said you had a friend that does this. Well, I have a couple friends that use that have a home freeze dryer in their garage or in their home. And I know they're more than open to sharing time on their freeze dryer. But I really was thinking through how could it work to have one in a community center or in a like part of a community library of objects or tools? I guess you would need someone who was really in charge of cleaning it and maintaining a, a schedule that was fair. But I mean, that would just would be a really cool tool, I think, for any of our community minded folks out there to explore getting a freeze dryer for your community to share or to use in some sort of communal way. I know if my sister lived in my same area again, then I would be able to consider more seriously purchasing one just for my personal home. Because then I would know it would be getting used right. a lot. Or if you know, if I had a best pal or a neighbor or somebody that I knew would be using it, then I would feel more more sure that it would get its use. But yeah, I, ju- I just think there's a lot of potential for using a freeze dryer just communally and whatever that means for you. Maybe it's the people on your street or at your community center or in a community kitchen or a community college. There's a lot of options out there. I thought when we were doing this episode, I just thought there's tons of potential there. Yeah. I mean, I think in my head, I was just thinking, man, what about people who do a ton of backpacking? Like they would probably want to prep like a summer's worth of meals or something like that would be maybe something would be interesting to them. Totally. I'm guarantee it would. We actually have a ton of traffic in my little town with hikers from the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. 
that's a trail that runs from Canada to Mexico, I think. And that group of people would be totally into that, I bet. I think that wraps up our episode, Anna. I know I learned a ton of things about freeze dryers and I know that our audience will too. A huge thank you to Jessica of Harvest Right freeze dryers. We definitely recommend them as the company to go through for an at-home freeze drying setup. And if you guys have any any more questions about freeze dryers, go ahead and email us at perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com. But thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.